Welcome. Yes, thank you. We <laughs> and thank you. I'm always so aware, Alice, uh, the I give you all head on up. I'm always so aware of, please, that for a moment like that, it takes hours of practice and years of preparation. So we're thankful for it. We begin this morning with the lighting of the Advent candles. I'm going to ask... David and John and Michael and Luke, if they would come and lead us in this. All right, gentlemen. I would say right now, I'm going to get that so everybody can hear you. On this third Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of joy, remembering the words of the prophet Isaiah. Previously, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains. All nations shall stream to it. And Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 10. They shall not hurt or destroy on all God's holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And this week we add the words of Isaiah chapter 35, verse 10, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return with singing, everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> that expression of their thanks. Now, I'm going to encourage Chris Meredith to take that little lighter here before. <laughs> you know, one of the things, I think celebration as one of the Hardawike worshiping communities has an unfair advantage over our other two in terms of doing children's ministry. We've got more grandparents per kid here. And we love and life together. I want to tell you, that, that's an important thing because every family I know is getting up and getting at it, and it's tiring. And so to have that kind of support and appreciation, and I'm thankful that every person who's a part of celebration is a part of celebration. God's good work. Gentlemen, you have ignited our joy, and so let us stand and sing that. Uh, hymn number 90, How Great Our Joy.
Amen. And have a seat if you would, please. Well, as always, I love to take a moment and welcome you, those of you who are on site as part of the worshiping community in this particular time and place, but also becoming increasingly aware that those of you online, either live stream or recording, are inviting us into your time and place. We're thankful that the Holy Spirit is able to move in power across that. There's a big thing happening. The other thing about the welcome that I always love is I see each of you as the answer to my prayer this week, because I really do pray, Father, bring those that you want to minister to in this place. And so thank you for being the answer to my prayer. Turn to the person next to you and say, thanks, Pastor Bill prayed for you. Will you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it, that's so much better than me going to each one of you separately, isn't it? Okay. A um, couple of things. For today, after the service, we'll gather for some fellowship and interaction, get to meet somebody or introduce yourself, coffee, juice, uh, munchies. And then at 1030, I do kind of an open question and answer, uh, post-service follow-up with the pastor. That'll be downstairs in room number one. want to alert you next week when we gather, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. It'll be communion. And it's also, we're going to have the opportunity, we do this once a year with Aldea Coffee. Uh, we're part of supporting a mission school in Honduras, and we've seen the opportunity to support that school and the families who go there with a community-developed missions thing. Now, we do that by drinking coffee coffee. Imagine that. So we'll be able to drink coffee, purchase Aldea coffee next week, and that is part of this uh, full ministry that we do with folks there. I've got some slides, some things I want to highlight for you. The first is we're doing a special Advent gathering. It's about a 30-minute service, very simple, some scripture reading, some prayer, and a simple communion. About 30 minutes before the community dinner that's then followed with dialogue for adults as well as the gems and um, cadets, the various things we do, student ministry. So this is pause at 15 minutes till five uh, on Wednesday nights, a special Advent time. And if you're like me, all the extra holiday rush, imagine being able in the middle of the week to stop and to remember. And that's what it's been for me, a great time. Second thing I wanna to touch is our special Christmas services. Um, on Christmas Eve is a Saturday this year. So on Saturday night, the 24th, we'll have an all Heart of Wikes service here in the sanctuary. Uh, this is our typical candlelight service. I'll be preaching a brief sermon. Um, we'll be lighting the candles. The fusion uh, worship team will kind of take care of music and technical things for us. The next morning, here in the sanctuary, it's Sunday and Christmas Day, and we'll do our regular kind of Christmas Day service. Those two come together. Uh, we'll have an orchestra. Uh, Aaron will be preaching. The celebration uh, musicians and tech team will kind of take care of that. So Christmas Eve here, Christmas Day here. Um, the next Sunday will be New Year's Day. And so for that day, um, Pastor JB will be preaching. The watershed musicians and technical care crew will do the all Heart of Wike worship for that Sunday, and it'll be in the watershed. So 
on New Year's Day, if you show up here at 10 o'clock, breathe deep because you'll, I hope you'll be alone, but then find your way over. And if you're too late, we'll ask you what you were doing out so late last night. So uh, Christmas Eve here, Christmas Day here, New Year's Day in Watershed. It gives us a time. If you get to all three of those services, you'll hear all three of the preachers. You'll hear the various uh, Hardaway musician styles, and we'll even share some locations this year. So trying something new. We'll, um, about January the 4th, when we're all back and settled, we'll see. Well, how did that go? You never know until you give it a try. So that's our Christmas services, uh, an online connect card. I don't have a lot of time, and we don't take time in the service to break up and get names and uh, such as that, but I want to make sure that we have a way to be in contact. If you'll type the word connect to that number on your text, just text the word connect. Um, it'll give you a form and you can fill out and, uh, if you want to get our newsletter or just whatever would be helpful to you. We're happy to do that. Um, we are connected to something bigger than ourselves. And I love to touch that each week by using the Heidelberg Catechism. It struck me for the first time ever over Thanksgiving at our Thanksgiving service that the pilgrims that we kind of, the English pilgrims that we remember on that Thanksgiving day, the national holiday that goes back to that first Thanksgiving, they spent about 12 years in Holland. And I had a chance this week to speak with a CRC historian. And he said, oh yes, they were there and they would have certainly encountered the Heidelberg Catechism. So it's interesting, our history has touched that history and that history can touch us. Um, here, the faith once and for all handed down to the saints using the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, question 35. Now friends, what does it mean that he, that is the son of God, was, as the Apostles' Creed says, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. That the eternal Son of God, who is and remains the true and eternal God, took to himself from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary a truly human nature, so that he might also become David's true descendant, like his brothers and sisters in every way except for sin. There is a connection from King David as we've looked at him recently to the Lord Jesus, who we celebrate his birth upcoming. Let's sing about that with hymn number 87, Once in Royal David's City.
Amen. Have a seat if you would. And let us draw close to the Father and pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you've loved us deeply in Jesus Christ, that you would not leave us alone to stumble forward, but that you would enter into human existence and human reality to rescue, to redeem, to rebuild, to lead, and to use to your glory. Fill us with wonder at the miracle of the incarnation that God himself would lay aside his glory and enter in to human reality to rescue us when we could not rescue ourselves. Father, we pray for Hardawike Ministries this day, and I thank you for the scripture in Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. As we look at the cross, we respond with gratitude. I pray that gratitude uh, would lead us day by day in ministry, whether it's in the workplace or in the school or in the family or through the church. We pray for this end of season, uh, our financial budget and the needs we have there as we make the transition of the year. Thank you for the work, Father, that you have done in your people to establish and to equip and to provide for the ministry that goes forth from here. Lord, we pray for the various communities that um, are a part of Hardawike. We pray for Watershed and for Pastor Aaron, that as he brings the scripture to that portion of our body this day, you would build and edify them. We pray for Fusion and Pastor JB. Thank you for his ministry and his love for you and the flock of your hand. We pray for Pastor Florencio, who'll be right here in just a few hours to tell people of the love of Jesus in the Spanish language. And we continue to pray for a new friend, Pastor Jeffrey at Angel Community Church in Muskegon. Bind your people together in all our diversity, in all our brokenness, but in all your hope. Be with us this day. Father, we pray for celebration and for this portion of the work. We pray for those who uh, face sickness of various sorts. I'm going to give you a moment in the silence to pray for those in your circle of relationships. Perhaps a, a diagnosis, uh, waiting for surgery, uh, tested positive, any number of things. Uh, pray for the people with sickness. And Father, you tell us not to worry, instead to pray. And so I pray in the face of grief, Lord God. It has been a year of loss, and so now it's a year of anniversaries. Uh, I encourage you to pray for those in your circle uh, by name who faced loss. Father, I thank you for the ministry of Grief Share uh, as we uh, make it available here at Heart Awake to encourage and walk with people through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you that you've never called us to dwell in that valley. We dwell in your presence no matter what we face. Father, I pray for the challenge of this season when our lives are so distracted and pulled and rushed. 
where the demands of this world would pull us away, particularly those demands that we've allowed into our lives that distract us, that overwhelm us, that exhaust us. Help us find the rest of our hearts in you and refreshment in your spirit. Father, in this tumultuous season, we pray each week for one level, as it were, of authority over us. And this week in our rotation, we pray for local government and for agencies. Uh, Holland Park and Holland Township, Ottawa County, uh, for commissioners and uh, office holders, for administrators, Father, who oversee the various services on a local level for school boards and the decisions that they're making, for the challenges that they face. I'm peculiarly aware that it's often in our schools that some of the first uh, stresses in families are, are seen or manifest. And so we pray for teachers and uh, administrators who find themselves dealing uh, with the leading edge, as it were, of some of the brokenness in our culture. We pray for our schools and school boards. And Father, we continue to pray that your gospel would go to the utter edges of the world. You made that promise and you called us to be a part of that mission. And so we pray for those who are the instruments of carrying it forth. May we support them, encourage them, receive them when they are home for furlough. Pray for them without ceasing. Father, we pray too that you would continue to grow in us your hope and your power. Teach us to touch that as we pray and use together the prayers that the Lord Jesus has taught us, saying together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen and amen now i want to do a couple of things right now we're going to have the celebration ringers minister to us in music but we've asked that our kids come forward at this point uh, Mrs. Glassford, Miss Janet will come forward. And any of you kids, what we want to do is let you get behind them so you can watch them closely. Anybody willing to come out? Yeah, she'll take good care of you. Come on out and get a special seat. You're like the Pied Piper, Janet, isn't that? She's there and ready. Good. She'll... I'm actually kind of tempted to do this myself, but I'm, I'm supposed to behave. Good. Everybody good there? I have one quick question before y'all. Which is the biggest? Well, it's downstairs. Oh. But today it's this one. Okay. How much do you think it weighs? I don't know. A couple pounds. It's not bad. She said about 57 pounds. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> the beauty of the bells is not only the melody, but the motion and the unity. I'll let y'all minister.
And so we'll dismiss kids, grade three and below, uh, are welcome to go down to uh, class, others to your seats, some to the new child-friendly space in the uh, balcony. Uh, I'm going to trust that if I breathe deep and relax, everybody will end up in the right place. <laughs> okay, good. I'm here. Well, again, good morning. In the course of what can be a very busy time, we've gathered as God's people. This is the day that the Lord has made. Uh, we will rejoice and be glad in it. This morning, I'm going to take a little break. All three of our communities are taking a break from the regular weekly reading and the story, that kind of uh, storyline edit of the Bible. Uh, and we're going to look instead at a particular passage from the prophet Isaiah that's related to our Advent reading. Uh, that's a part of the uh, time in Israel's history from the story. But I want to take some time and do something a little bit different. Since we're pausing from the story, I want to take this morning and where I would usually focus on a passage of Scripture and then read and exposit or explain it and then apply it. This morning, I want to start with a bit of teaching, and then I want to read through the passage, but I want to read through it in a very different way. I want to read and kind of reflect, kind of open uh, my mind and heart so that you can get a sense of meditating and praying and talking with and re reflecting on the passage. It's a format called Lectio Divina. Let me um, press through to this. Lectio Divina. If you ever want to sound like you had a good education, just say it in Latin. Isn't that the thing? But this is a particular way of reading. When I prepare for a sermon, I will read through the text that I'll be preaching from. I'll analyze it, often in the original language, at least with some tools to dig in. And, and that's a particular way of reading. I'll set it in its historical context. I'll gather the various facts. But one of the things that I also do is meditate through the Scripture. That is to read slowly, read several times. Uh, sometimes in the way I'm set up in my office, I can do this real easy, read in several translations. I usually keep a good one-volume commentary there so I can check out some things, dates. I love the Gospel Transformation Study Bible. And this is a way that I come to the text. It's different than a purely analytical, but it kind of lets me enter into the experience of the text. I like to call these spiritual practices... Um, skills for the journey. As I go through the journey of life, there's various skills. I've, I've tried to cultivate a prayer life, and that comes day by day, step by step. I've tried to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in various ways that the Spirit might move in me uh, to minister to others. Uh, studying the Bible in various ways, all these are kind of like tools, and like a good tradesman, you want the right tool for the moment. So this morning, what I'd like to do would be to take this one tool, the Lectio Divina, and I'd like to kind of guide you through it, let you see uh, what it's like. It's important that we get to know these tools because the tools are not an end in themselves. The tools 
are a bridge to meet someone. In my prayer time and in my study time, I'm not nearly so concerned with how many facts can I gather as I am, am I meeting the author of the scripture, the Holy Spirit? Does the Spirit have access to my heart and mind to lead me and to guide me? Now, we like to make available to people as best we can a number of resources. And if you'll go on our website, hardawike.com slash resources, and then look for the one on Lectio Divina, you'll find some more teaching on this. All of this, by the way, is in your uh, sermon outline in the bulletin, so you can touch touch it at that point. You'll see uh, uh, Sensible Shoes is a, a small group that our women have done on a rotating basis that goes through these spiritual practices, including this one. Uh, there's instruction there on that website about how to do the soaps, what's the scripture, what's the observation, what's the application, what's the prayer. Uh, you'll find Bible reading plans. Uh, we'll do small group experiences where you can kind of talk and process questions with others. What we're looking to do is to give people good tools, and this is one of them, Lectio Divina. On our teaching on the website, you'll read this, that the focus of Lectio Divina is not a critical analysis of the sacred text where we analyze it and learn from it, uh, but rather it's a personal way of experiencing the word through contemplation and reflection. So it lets us, I think of it as me entering the world of the scripture and letting it speak back to my life. I want to get a sense of what God said, but I also want a sense of what God would say to me in my life right here and right now by way of this. So it takes opening some space. There'll be times where I just kind of breathe and think about that. Sometimes I just kind of prayerfully listen, maybe pray. As we think about doing this, I want to give you a question that I think kind of pulls together the various uh, ways this will work. And it's this question, how do you see the world around you? How do you see? And I'm not so concerned with physical eyes and the mechanics of light as I am, how do you perceive and what does that mean? Imagine this was a picture, a picture in a picture frame. There is what we would call the imminent frame, imminent, close to us. I often think of that as horizontal. And this would be the frame, the angle of physical cause and effect. When you push on something, the effect is to move it. And you can see the world through this imminent frame. If this was a picture of Mary Lynn, and I had this imminent frame, I would only have one dimension of her. Would it be true what I had? Yes. Would it be all of her? No, it's just one dimension. Many people go through life living as if there was nothing but the imminent frame, physical cause and effect. Another way to see the world would be to hold the frame like this. I'll call that transcendent frame. There's something here, I've got to use spatial terms, above. And so you'll think, well, I'm living here, but there's something above just physical cause and effect. It's that spiritual cause and effect. So transcendent, imminent, physical, 
spiritual. Many people in our day and time want to only deal with the imminent frame, physical cause and effect, but it just never quite works. And maybe, maybe we're willing to think it's about 90% physical cause and effect and about 10% spiritual. Other cultures, they'll think, oh, it's about 90% spiritual and 10% physical. And you see different cultures like that. Well, here's the challenge is the way I want to put it. And this challenge is just a metaphor. Let's not start a new denomination. This is two dimensions. This is two dimensions. Humans tend to live in two dimensions. But God lives in three. Does that make sense? There is more going on here than meets the eye. The Lord lives not only... He acts not only in the midst of physical cause and effect, but he intersects physical cause and effect with the spiritual. And so it is. We can live here, but God is there. And we might think they're spiritual, which is here, but well, God is there. Now, again, I don't want to start a new denomination, but I do want you to have a sense that reality is bigger than any two dimensions. And Lectio Divina is designed to help us remember that as we read and as we consider. I want to take the passage seriously as it's written. And I want to understand the substance of what that means. But I also want to let God be a part of this. So let's start by looking at Isaiah the prophet and set him in his time. Interesting fellow. He's kind of the prince of Old Testament prophets is what the commentators will say. We know when he lived because it's clearly recorded in verse 1 of chapter 1. He lived through four different kings. Um, Uzziah, Hezekiah, lost here in my notes somewhere. But a particular time... And we can identify him fairly clearly in that way through these four kings from about 740 B.C. to 681 B.C. Now, here's an interesting thing. I won't charge you for this at all, just by showing it in celebration. I went to college a number of years ago, and since I was in college, archaeologists have discovered new things that we didn't know about when I was a college student that helped give us context and understanding and substance and speak about Isaiah the prophet. Archaeology has shown us more about Isaiah since I was a college student than before. So we can place him pretty clearly. We have a sense of what his context was. And that's worth uh, taking note of and digging into. We know that he was a resident of Jerusalem, trained and employed as a priest, probably from the upper class and well-educated. He socialized with kings and the court. He's an Old Testament figure who stands out sort of the way the Apostle Paul does in the New Testament. But I'll tell you something, his world was a dangerous mess. He lived in a time uh, where centuries before Isaiah, the kingdom of Israel had been divided, the northern and the southern kingdom. It's as if right after the war for independence, when there were 13 colonies, imagine if the British came and conquered and took away all but Georgia and South Carolina. 
There was a division and the kingdom was eventually, the northern kingdom was taken off. In 721, during Isaiah's lifetime, the Assyrians carried off the citizens of the northern kingdom. So he lived after the divided kingdom, saw the northern kingdom carried away into captivity. And again, in his lifetime and experience, it's recorded in Isaiah 37, 37, but we see it in history in 701 BCE. We see these same Assyrians lay siege to Jerusalem and God rescues them. So the kingdom was divided. Then it's the northern kingdom is destroyed, but the southern kingdom is delivered. And in the course of this, the surrounding is that all uh, idolatry is growing at this point. There's kind of a folk religion. Yeah, they worship in the temple, but they also kind of go visit the voodoo priest. It's kind of like Haiti. If you go to Haiti, as I understand, the kind of official religion that you see is a Roman Catholicism. But where people go to take care of things, and the Cajuns did this with a tretar, they called them. It's kind of a folk religion that takes aspects of that and connects to spiritism and animism. That's what it looked like when he lived. And into this context, now the Lord speaks to the people of Isaiah's time a word of prophecy. And I want you to know that prophecy is much more than just predicting the events of the future. Many people, particularly in the South and Midwest of the United States, have been to prophecy seminars where uh, someone will take the headlines of the day and connect those to a chapter and verse reference in the Bible and then lay them out kind of like a a train schedule of what's going to happen and this is that and this is the other. I've been through about four waves of that in my ministry. 1988 was a big year for that. 40 years after the founding of the nation of Israel, there was even a book, 88 Reasons Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. It even had an updated edition for the 90s. I want to tell you, prophecy is about more than figuring out a way to schedule events so that you can live your life in light of that schedule. Prophetic vision is God in the three dimensions speaking into the two that we live. And so there will often be an experience of what I call layers of time. And we'll see that today. There'll be some things that Isaiah says to his people. But then if you read it carefully, you kind of see that, well, it also speaks to the birth of Jesus. And if you read that, you'll also see that, boy, there's something yet to come. And there's these layers of time and and vision. And Lectio Divina is designed to kind of walk among those layers in our heart and mind. Here's why I want to do this, why I think it's so important. Isaiah was living in a time and a world that was a dangerous mess. I don't want to convince you, but I'm convinced that we're living in a time where our world is a dangerous mess. Now, in my notes here, it says, Bill, stuff a sock in it. Um, I'm not here to convince you or to scare you. You may think one thing is a dangerous mess. You may think another thing is a dangerous mess. Those of you back there may think it's all a dangerous mess. Some of you up here may think there is no dangerous mess. 
not going to worry with that. What I want you to do is enter into the scripture, Isaiah 11 with me, and let God give you hope in whatever mess you perceive. Do you see how that's a little different? I'm not going to scare you and then get you to act in my best interest. I'm going to introduce you to the source of hope because you see, my goal today is not to convince you of anything, it's to let God minister deeply. And so I'd like to do some Lectio Divina in the few moments we've got left. Um, we're going to go through Isaiah 11, and I'll read kind of carefully and reflectively. I'll offer you some questions. You'll hear, um, I don't want you to get inside my mind and hear everything, I think, but enough that would be helpful here. Is that fair? So we're just going to do this. You may want to take a pew Bible, open to Isaiah 11. Um, we'll put portions of the scripture up on the screen so you can see that. There's some space. Some of you have been looking at the sermon outline and you see that big space under Lectio Divina and you're going, I wonder what the answer is. And the answer is this, I don't know. But you may want to record something that comes to mind for you. This morning, I don't want to simply learn about hope. I, it's my goal, it's been my prayer all week that we can experience hope in our time and in our place right here, right now. I don't know what hopeless situation you're facing. I don't know where your life feels broken, but I know whatever you're facing, that the hope of the gospel in the midst of that will change you and change that circumstance. So let me pray and then I'll start to read and kind of Lectio Divina in public and we'll go from there. Father, we thank you that centuries ago in a very different place, the southern kingdom of Judah, the city of Jerusalem, you had raised up a young man from a wealthy family, Isaiah. And in your love for all humanity, you used him in ministry. You spoke through him. His words uh, were recorded. They've been amazingly passed down to us through centuries so that now we can open them up. Thank you for good translations. And we can begin to prayerfully read not only to know facts, but also to have you, as the good shepherd, speak to your listening flock. Help us to be open to insight, to guidance, to conviction, the call to repentance or forgiveness. But in assurance, Father, place hope deep in our lives. We know that may not change the external circumstances of all that we face, but we know it'll change us in those circumstances. So guide us this day, fill us with hope. Thank you for your kindness, we pray in Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Well, Isaiah chapter 11 is kind of placed there without a lot of statement about what was going on in Isaiah's life when this was first spoken, but it, it begins and you get the sense of mystery it says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. I can imagine Isaiah looking around his world, seeing Sennacherib, the Assyrian king at the gate, and he can think, I'm living the life of a stump. The kingdom has been divided. Half of it's more than half of it has been carried off. Life is hard-pressed. The people aren't following God. It's a tough time. 
Isaiah was living the life of a stump. Now, you can picture a stump chopped down, maybe burned down. I've been to places where the entire landscape is nothing but burned out stumps. Have you seen that kind of thing? Can you picture it? This is what Isaiah is speaking to. There's a stump, but there's hope. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots, the stump of Jesse, will come a branch who will bear fruit. You see, God had prophesied, spoken to David, that out of your family line will come an eternal king. Well, that's blown up. But like a stump, a shoot will come. It will bear a branch and bear fruit. I can picture a stump, it's destruction, it's that dangerous mess that Isaiah is living in. And for parts of my life, it looks like a stump. There's some relational things in my life that have been just chopped off, burned to the ground and dead. But this word comes and speaks to those. There's a shoot that will come up from the stump of Jesse. It'll be a branch. It'll bear fruit. My prayer in this moment would be help me to see this shoot in my life. And I'd ask you, where is your life more like a stump than a living tree? I'm always brought to relationships, brought to losses, brought to challenges. Where is your life more like a stump than a fruit-bearing tree? This text leaps in that a shoot will come up from what looks like and is a stump. I've prayed, Lord, help me to see that shoot and help me not keep cutting it off out of my own fear or forgiveness. I've got a stump I'm working on in my backyard. One of the first things I do every spring is cut it back down and my stump remains a stump well Isaiah sees into the distant mist that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him this this shoot that's coming up the spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding of counsel and of might the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord boy that shoot has what it takes to take care of me. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge. Wow, the spirit will rest on this shoot. Now, immediately in my mind, I remember a similar passage, a statement from Isaiah 61 actually, where Jesus takes upon himself in Luke 4 and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me this day. This scripture has been fulfilled in you. As I kind of prayerfully meditate on Isaiah 11:2, I'm aware that Jesus is the shoot. He is the branch. He is the one with wisdom and understanding for my life, counsel and of might for my life. And what will he do? Well, he goes on to say in verse 3, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. I'm reminded immediately of the word that Samuel had from the Lord as he looked over the sons of Jesse. Do you remember? He'd heard he was 
going to anoint a king, and so he looks to the first son. That's usually how those things work. But the Lord said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, do not consider the appearance or his height, for I have rejected this first son. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance. So this shoot, the good news to Isaiah's people, the good news embodied in Jesus, the good news yet to come, will judge by what he sees in the heart, not simply with his eyes. You know, the world looks at somebody and asks, how many votes can he deliver? How much money does he have? What's the benefit of knowing this person? That's looking with the eyes. I know too in ministry, folks will come to me and they'll say, this is my struggle. But this verse draws me back to prayerfully ask, not simply what are you facing, but what's deeper. Just as the Lord called Samuel not to look at birth order, but to look at heart. When a person comes to you, do you judge by appearances? by their presentation or their performance? Oh, there's a time that that's appropriate enough. But are there other times where you need to listen and look for a deeper perspective, a deeper going on? What's happening inside? A child crying, why? What's the fear? A spouse frustrated and withdrawn? Are they really just being a jerk? Or is there something you need to hear between the lines. A coworker who's aggressive. Oh Lord, make me like my savior, one who will not judge simply by what I see with my eyes or decide simply by what I hear with my ears. Verse four, but with righteousness, this branch will judge the needy and with justice, he will give decisions to the poor. I love the new uh, living translation of this. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance or make a decision on hearsay. He will deliver justice for the poor. As I prayed and meditated on this, I'm reminded of friends that I pray with each week. They're mostly African-American. They're mostly from Mississippi, Texas, and uh, Louisiana, where I once was. And I want to tell you, their world is different than our world. I heard one of them pray one night, Oh, Lord God, may we be safe in our neighborhoods. We just want to walk out our front door, not fearing we get shot either by the police or by the gangbangers. You know, when you're lacking in resources of various sorts, short on money, never had a school to go to, family broken so you can't fall back and look on them for help. When you're in that circumstances, the world looks different. People without resources or connections, they, they can't access or navigate our systems of justice well. So the scripture calls us to advocate and to work for fairness for all. Injustice for one is an attack on all. And it says that this shoot who will come up will bring justice, not simply looking with his eyes, but getting to the root and bring justice. He will strike the earth with his rod, it says, and with the breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. This sounds like the book of Revelation, doesn't it? 
boy, as I've read that, this rescuer, this mighty army, I can picture it looking like the Lord defeating the Assyrian army in 701. That was part of Isaiah's life. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. He will bring justice. And then it's amazing how it begins to pour out. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. I want to tell you something. I don't, I'm sure Isaiah had never seen anything like that. I haven't seen anything like that, have you? But somehow, as he would prayerfully reflect on the God who had saved Israel from the Assyrians, as we see that in a God who would lay aside his glory and be born in the manger, so we have a hope further out even yet when the lamb will lie down with the wolf. They'll live together. The leopard and the goat will get along. The calf and the lion and the yearling and a little child will be there. What would that look like? What would that feel like? Isaiah can see it even though he's never experienced it. How about you? Can you, in the midst of a broken world, see where God has moved in your broken world? and receive a hope for more than you could ever ask or imagine. I love these passages. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, I've done a bunch of funerals of late. And more and more as I stand at a graveside or stand before a family in grief, I'll often say it politely, but inside I want to scream it. Jesus didn't create it like this. The brokenness of this world is not God's intention. It's been broken by sin, but we have a redeemer who will restore. There is our hope. We'll navigate this moment, but there is coming a time where none will harm or destroy on the holy mountain. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is like a telescope into another land or another time. No one's seen it on earth, not any one of us here, but this is the promise and the hope that the Lord gives to us. It is amazing. And finally, he says, on that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Friends, I want to tell you something. The gospel, God's work, has always been about all people, starting with Abraham. Every nation will be blessed by you. It's included us, but it's included more than us. When we gather and pray, we should have a heart for my friends in Louisiana, for the brothers and sisters we've never seen in the underground church in Iran or China, for folks on the other side of the bridge or further down the highway. We are God's people, part of those nations that are streaming to him. Friends, the good news in the gospel is this, 
that our life and actions, what we're facing right here, right now, today, in this very place and in this very time, these things are transformed by a hope that is given to us. It's not created by us. It's not imagined by us. It's not wished for by us. It's given to us from outside this place and time. Isaiah could see it as the southern kingdom was delivered from the Assyrians. It takes on a form that we never would have completely guessed as Jesus is born, crucified, and raised. But there's even more depth. There's a hope of a new heaven and earth where there will be no more crying or pain or sadness, where all things untrue will be gone. Everything said will become untrue and no longer ours to bear. For God will bring redemption and restoration. Friends, I hope that that hope from outside the system can be yours and equip you to face whatever you're facing. Let's pray. Father, we breathe deep. and I thank you for your word. I thank you that in your word, you've promised to meet us and to guide us. Oh, we get it wrong sometimes. We get caught up in ourselves sometimes. But thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us, that you raise up others to help keep us centered. I pray that in this text, Isaiah 11, we might see you at work in the life of Isaiah and his friends and countrymen. We see a dimension of it birthed in Jesus, in that uh, manger in Bethlehem. But we also see a hope of when the heartache will be over, when injustice will no longer touch the earth. But you will be the good and righteous, life-giving ruler of all. Father, you have loved us deeply, and for that we give you thanks. I want to pray today uh, the Heart of White Gospel Meditation to just finish with this kind of final reflection before we sing. The words will be on the screen. We just pray with me out loud. Again, let this truth sink in. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for me and for all humanity, I am not my own. But instead, by the working of his grace, I am a deeply loved and fully adopted child of the great creator, Jing. Jesus has loved me first and loved me as I am right here and right now, not as I should be or could be. He has also given the Holy Spirit to work in me, transforming me day by day into his likeness. In that way, Jesus increasingly works through me as he brings about the restoration and reconciliation of all creation. Holy Spirit, help me to believe this, increasingly see the evidence of your work in my life, values, and actions. Friends, there's good news of a God outside the cause and effect system who's entered in and brought a hope that will change you and the way you live. Hear the announcement, angels from the realms of glory have good news to tell us. Stand and sing, it's hymn number 81.
receive now the final blessing, the benediction of our God from the book of Jude. And now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, both now and forevermore. Amen? And amen. Amen.